0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Summit Athletes, NFL agent, and head of NIL operations, Emily Staker. Emily talks about changing the traditional agent model and why it's okay to do things differently. She also shares how she relates to and protects clients, the importance of having visibility for women in sports, and so much more. This is a great and candid episode, so let's get to it. Emily, thank you so much for joining me for Get My Job today. I've been very excited to talk to you. You know, on this podcast, we like to highlight So, many different career opportunities for women in the sports industry. And I think what you are doing is obviously so interesting, and especially now in the world of NIL, which is still a very relatively new world. Um, So, welcome to the show and can't wait to hear more about it. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's always surreal to be asked to do things like this because I feel like I was just in the position where I was listening to these types of things so shortly ago. But, you know, I'm always happy to. Offer any advice that I can.
0: Well, let's start by taking us through your professional journey. At what point did you decide you wanted to be an agent? How did that come about? Um, Was this something you kind of always wanted to do? Tell us all the things.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so funny in high school. I did not really love high school, uh, (laughs) but I really clicked with um, a teacher who happened to be the football coach. Yeah, okay. I had been a football fan my entire life. And so we just like hit it off in that way. And I ended up being his like teacher's assistant, my junior and senior year. And through that, I was able to kind of help him in the recruiting process of colleges and scouts coming okay. in to recruit our guys. And those guys were, you know, my friends. I had grown up with them. And so it was a really interesting insight for me to see, you know, the care um That the coach you know put in to making sure that his guys ended up at the right place, so it was always in the back of my head that there was a need for really strong advocacy and care for athletes at all levels um and it just didn't really manifest <laughs> until uh, I got a little older. I actually you know I studied political science in college, and I thought that maybe I wanted to go into legislation I had. Been interning for a senior member of Congress. And then um, 2016 happened, and I just decided that was not my journey, not my path. But I still went to law school, and I just decided to pivot into sports because it really felt like a calling for me. You know, all along, it had been, you know, such a big passion of mine, but I, I really did feel like there was a need for true advocacy and not just agent in the capacity of, you know, getting a max contract, but agent in, in the way of truly being a gatekeeper for a client's peace and
0: being, you know, their, their voice when they don't know what to say. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. The stereotypical idea of the agent is exactly what you just said, like to get the biggest contract and all of that. It's so not what that relationship is, certainly not anymore. And when you talk about being a gatekeeper for peace, how do you work with your clients when they are going through a, a massive negocia- negotiation or it's stalling or not going? How do you work with them to keep them you know, on a path that is somewhat more calm and peaceful? Because it's very stressful. And i, I just going to say, like a lot of people forget that this is these people's jobs, this is their livelihood. And it is stressful, just as that would be for any of us negotiating a contract. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, I think the biggest thing that I try to impress on them is just, you really can only control what you can control. And Mm -hmm. the other part of it is, you know, for my guys, my biggest thing, even when I'm recruiting new players is, you know, I try and always match my client's energy. So I want to meet you 50-50 and I don't sign clients that are going to hold me to a higher standard than they they hold themselves, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I know that Mm -hmm. they're going to bring the energy on the field and they're going to do their job. And that makes my job infinitely easier. And then it's, you know, then it's my turn to show up for them. And so I think it's really important to be proactive in that way. It makes this process a lot easier. But um, as it goes along, I think it really comes down to just making peace with the fact that there isn't much that they can do at that point, right? You know, it's contracts usually take place in the off season. Sometimes they happen during, but you, you really can't change much as the player. It, it really comes down to just kind of letting me do my thing, you know, letting me be mm-hmm. creative and, and communicative and effective in my negotiations and, and seeing if we can get a result that works for everyone.
0: So in this new world of NIL, it's changed things for college athletes, uh, in my opinion, certainly for the better uh, and long, long overdue. But in this new world, how do you navigate it? And then how different is it? And I I hope this question comes across correctly, but you are – and this is something we forget about college athletes all the time. They're kids, which is, I think – which is why I have a really hard time at March Madness when anybody loses or in a college football game, even though yeah. I root heavily for Michigan, no matter what. I forget, like I'm like they're kids and I think of myself in college. Right. and you know how hard that is. So you're you're dealing with you have, you know, very they're I mean, not they're not children, but young adults in a very professional world now. And how are you helping them to navigate them and kind of what challenges have you seen?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting. It really is just so new. And I think, I'm an attorney as well. So I am very, very big on compliance because I don't want to lose my license anywhere. But every single state and every single school is different with their rules. So it just takes a lot of diligence ensuring that we're really protecting our guys, right? Because it defeats the Mm -hmm. entire purpose of it if I'm doing anything that puts their eligibility at risk. So I
0: -hmm. think just
1: being really diligent is so important. And then the other thing too, and I so agree, and I even feel this way about some of our NFL guys, cause they really are so young is just yeah. really protecting them. And I think this is one thing I don't think we talk enough about for women who are agents, because we have such a lack of role models to look up to that are, you know, women agents in, in the space that came before us, there's just not that many. And mm-hmm. so I think the model is oftentimes, made after the men who have driven this industry for so long. And I think that that can cause women to feel like they need to adopt maybe a more masculine style of, uh, you know, negotiating, communicating, representing. Right. And that's fine if that's true to you. But I also think that we're in a time now where there's totally this possibility to true to who you are. And in that way, you know, I'm someone who has always been like pretty maternal, I would say like very, very caring. And and I've always been Mm the mom of the friend group, right? And so I Mm -hmm. have really leaned into that in that way. And I think it's actually been an amazing advantage for me because so many times when I'm doing NIL, when I'm recruiting a player, I'm talking to mom or I'm talking to dad and I'm talking to them as someone who wants to really protect their kid, right? And really make sure that we're doing it in a way that is smart, it's safe, it's effective for the future. It gives them the experience uh, as it, as they go forward in their playing career in terms of developing really meaningful relationships with brands and understanding what it is that they want their brand to be. But I, I think that that has actually been a really palpable advantage for me is just leaning into that and you know I, I i just don't think we talk about it enough because um mm-hmm. it is it is a huge advantage and i i just unfortunately think that so many times women think that they have to adopt you know what the what the model is but it's okay to create a new model sometimes
0: yes absolutely and i'm really glad that you said that. And with that in mind, how do you see yourself as a role model for other young female agents coming into the industry?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, it's so weird for me (laughs) to think about (laughs) being a role model, but I really think that it's way more effective to just make this space as inclusive as possible. And that means, you know, really making sure that I'm supporting Young women intersectionally, that I'm listening and, and hearing women from all different backgrounds who are interested in this. But ultimately, I think that we can run into trouble. And this isn't just women, it, it oftentimes happens when people try to impress and vice or, or, you know, mm-hmm. tell people, this is how you have success. Mm-hmm. There really is no one way. And I think for me, my goal is to just be inclusive in the sense of you know, be true to you and be authentic to you. And I promise you, like, being an agent allows for so much diversity, because every player is different in what they want. And you're gonna, if you are true to your authentic self, and really good at what you do, you're gonna find a player who really appreciates that. And so I think so much of it for me is just encouraging that authenticity.
0: I love that. And that's something we talk a lot about on this podcast in a variety of careers is that you have to be you. Yeah. And I know it's sometimes we talk about it. I think oh people are thinking, oh my God, we're listening to, we're talking about this again, but it's so important, especially in today's day and age and in the world of social media and looking at what everybody else is doing and comparing, and maybe I should be doing this and just remembering you have to be true to you because there's one you and you can't be the next so-and-so. You have to be the current Emily Staker.
1: And that's really
0: <laughs> yeah. important. I always
1: say that, especially when it comes to agents, because so many people say, I want to be the next, this person. I'm like, focus on being the first you, you know, that's really Mm -hmm. the most important thing.
0: So, uh, since I brought up social media, let's talk a little bit about that. How (laughs) do you, it's, it's a tough, so it's kind of a two-part question. I would say for you, and I, I know this as a fellow female in the industry, social media can be really hard. Uh, and usually we get the most criticism from people that have an egg is their avatar. And I say <laughs> yes. this a lot and are at 7523272. Uh, so it's real easy to say not nice things to somebody when you're yeah. feeling very anonymous. So the two part of this is for you personally, how do you deal with that side of this? And then for your clients, how do you help them navigate it? Because we are talking about, again, as we said, a lot of times like very young people and emotions are high. And I think sometimes all of us can take to social media and then maybe regret the way we handled something, but then it's out there. So kind of, how do you navigate those worlds?
1: You know, if I wasn't in this business, I probably wouldn't have any, (laughs) but I feel like (laughs) so much of it really is just to, you know, monitor all my clients and make sure that they're doing good. And I guess in some ways it is a great way to stay connected and kind of build your personal brand. But to me, you know, there are a lot of pitfalls of it. So I think, it's really important to just have really good boundaries with it. And so for me, you know, a few years ago, I really just kind of made the decision to make all of my social media primarily um, related to my professional life. And Mm -hmm. I actually think that was a great decision for me. I try and keep most of my personal life out of my social media, just because that's mine. And Mm -hmm. I I like to protect that. And really, it is just more of a, a extension of my professional self and a tool in that way. And I actually think in that way, it's allowed me to kind of have a healthier relationship with it because it's just more of a utility in that sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as my clients go, I I think it's tricky because again, everyone has a different type of relationship with it and some people love Mm -hmm. it. But I think at the end of the day, it's kind of walking them through the same thing of having really good boundaries with it, you know, knowing exactly what it is you are and are not comfortable sharing and being super intentional about how you're protecting yourself and being proactive about it. Because especially when it comes to stuff like that, it's way easier to be proactive than to be reactive. And so I think just Mm -hmm. being really mindful and that's why NAL is a great, um, way for these guys to learn because oftentimes it is monetizing off their social media. So I think it's a great way for them to start to really have that impressed upon them that social media is, you know, a business. It's a side of the business. And so um, there's a way to do it to you really, you know, be successful, make money, but you have to
0: be smart about it. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. This podcast is about you, not me, but on the on the topic of this discussion, I think this might be interesting for our listeners. I saw a, a person, a female in the sports industry that I follow on Instagram and she posted, I want to say this was probably a year or so ago, maybe longer. Um, and she said something to the effect of, you know, I post all the time and I share my life with you, but you guys don't like really necessarily know what's going on in my life. And that's you know, on purpose. Yeah. Um, and I thought about that a lot because my social media is my business, but it's also like, there's the fangirl Instagram and then there's the Tracy Sandler Instagram and that is my personal, but it's still my business. Um, and I really took that to heart and kind of followed that idea of like, you want, I want people to know me and I want them to feel like they do and, and they can relate to me and, and understand and get to experience the things I'm experiencing. Cause that's part of what makes it so great. But i but being intentional and intentional and protecting quite a bit of my personal life, yes. and that's a fine line, and it's not necessarily easy to do. Uh, but i I took that advice, so I say that uh, to our listeners and kind of thinking about that. Um, and everybody has to do it their own way, and everybody has to do it what works for them. But I just found that to be such a great post and such a great kind of piece of advice that I I wanted to share. And it felt like it fit in this discussion.
1: Yeah, I know. It is so true. I I just think you have to really choose for yourself. And that's the great thing Mm -hmm. is if it's your own, you do get to choose, but taking the time to really sit with it and be intentional about how much you are willing to share, I think is really smart for anyone, whether you're
0: a public person or not, it just is better for your peace in the long run. One hundred percent. I like that word, being intent, or that phrase, being intentional, is is really important. Uh, so switching gears a little bit, uh, you wrote "Know Your Worth." Uh, so I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and the inspiration behind it. Yeah,
1: um, basically, you know, I had. A time where my career was really growing and my client list was growing, but I still had a lot of young women who were just getting started in their careers reaching out to me about, you know, their first contract with the small market, or how do I renegotiate, or how do I ask for this kind of stipend, you know, little things like that that I didn't think necessarily warranted full representation, which is a much different financial commitment. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to make something that I could just, you know, spend X amount of time and have it be done. It was a full and complete resource for women that was at a really accessible price. I think it was like $30 and it's like 50 pages of just pretty much every single thing that I've learned as far as negotiation, reviewing contracts, understanding how to do a job search effectively, cover letters, resumes, like everything, because I just really want to help women as much as I can I have no interest in gatekeeping it has no value to me really at the end of the day like I knew my career was starting to transition less from media and more into the NFL but I still personally as a woman in this industry feel so invested in helping you know the women who are going to be the next generation and so I think for me it was so much more about just sharing that information in a really succinct way so that They can go back and look at it however many times as they need if they are renegotiating or applying for a new job. You know, I just wanted them to have that access so that even if I am not available personally, my knowledge is.
0: What is a misstep you're seeing women make when trying to break into the sports entertainment industry?
1: I think trying to fit into a particular mold without actually thinking about what it is that they want. You know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes in really male prevalent industries, I think we can pigeonhole ourselves into certain types of roles. And so I I really think it's important to take the time to sit on what actually do you want to do? Do you want to be a creative? Mm -hmm. Do you want to work in philanthropy? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be a coach or a scout? You know, do you love football operations? Like, what is it? about sports that you really love that really you know gives you butterflies because if you're going into a path just because you think it's your only option you're not going to last very long because it really is Mm -hmm. you are competing against people who to their core to their soul know they want to be there and so I think it's just much more effective and sustainable to do the work beforehand and understand what exactly it is that you want before you deep dive into any particular path. And of course, it's so good to get experience through different internships. And maybe you do, you know, contracted roles for a bit just to dabble. But when it comes down to committing to an actual career path, it's so, so important to really do the work beforehand because I've seen so many women, you know, get five or six years into one thing and they just are burnt out because they never Mm -hmm. liked it in the first place. So as hard as it can be sometimes to take that pause and really reflect on what it is that you want and ask people who do different things about their lifestyle, what they enjoy about it, what they don't enjoy, it is so worth it in the long run.
0: How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women uh, in your time thus far in the industry? And how do you think we can still improve? Yeah.
1: I mean, it really comes down to representation, right? And in the NFL, Mm -hmm. I think it's increased, you know, the bucks are a great example of just getting women into pretty much every single space on Uh the team. And I love it. Mm -hmm. It's so visibility does matter so much. It goes back to exactly what I was just saying. You know, you don't know it's possible until either you do it or you see someone else do it. And so I think, the increase of representation does increase opportunities for the sole fact that the talent was always there and the qualified women have always been there it's just i don't know that they were necessarily applying because i don't think they saw it as a viable option so mm-hmm. in that way i absolutely do see it increasing and i just think you know teams companies are really starting to see the advantage that women bring to every position because like we talked about earlier you know the male prevalent, you know, hypermasculine approach to things isn't always the best. And I think every successful team and company, you know, they have success because they have a diversity of thought and a, an approach from every single angle and a really collaborative style. So in that way, I do think that there is some shift in terms of seeing the profitable advantage of adding women to your team, to your company. Um, but I really, really do think so much of it just comes down to representation.
0: So I want to highlight something you said earlier, and then you you kind of just reiterated it. And I think you're right that a lot of our models, and it's definitely changing, but in this industry have been male. Um, and I think there has been a feeling that to compete, we, and I mean, this is the universal we, I need to just kind of follow that model. But I would love to just talk a little bit more about how it's such an advantage to be a woman and we have such an opportunity to change the game, so to speak, and and to create a different way, as you said, you know, to change the model. It's great to be able to change the model. And I think it's really important to lean into that. Uh, so I know you mentioned it earlier, but if you could just expound upon it, I think that would be really helpful for our listeners.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Um, I got my job currently because – I was competing with our main agent here for a recruit. <laughs> Basically he called me cold called me. I had no idea who this person was and he was like, you're really good at what you do. And he's our, you know, the player I'm trying to recruit is really listening to you because you've really been able to connect with him. And he saw so much value in that, that he hired me the next week. So I think just being so true to yourself, like we've talked about a million times, but, um, you know, understanding how to leverage those strengths and and the way that I did connect to that player was, you know, just got to know him, of course, on a personal level, but really talked about him as a person and not just Mm -hmm. as an athlete. And I think that that really is so refreshing for guys because they're just so used to everyone coming to them, wanting something from them. And I think it's Mm -hmm. really, really refreshing when someone comes to you. I mean, we can all really, it feels good when someone comes to you to connect solely for the purpose Mm -hmm. of connecting. And so I think Mm -hmm. in that way, you know, really focusing on that personal connection can be a huge advantage. And, you just never know those really subtle things that you choose to do differently. You never know how they will benefit you in the long run.
0: And we talk a lot about it with uh, journalists that come on the pod and, you know and, and media members and how you know building relationships with sources is that you have to build an actual relationship and you have to be authentic about it because people can certainly tell the difference. And you can't just go to someone every time you want something. You need to build a true, working relationship and that's how people get to trust you. And I think it's very similar in in what you just said. And it goes back to the authenticity piece because people can tell the difference if you're just trying to do it to eventually get something or if it's just genuinely who you are. And so I think that's really just important to highlight.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I always, especially because NIL is so new, even if a guy doesn't sign with me, because some of them just don't feel ready to have an agent in that way, mm-hmm. I always tell them that I'm still available as a resource to help them because I want mm-hmm. to be. And and because I I want to make sure that we're protecting these kids as much as we can because I've witnessed how many people will take advantage of them if they're given the chance. And so you know, despite what I would stand to gain from it, I still always make sure that they know that they have someone in their corner if they need it
0: can you take us through a day in your life? I think it would be so interesting. And we do this a lot on the pod, but I just think it'd be very interesting. And I'm sure a lot of your days are different, Um, but would love to kind of hear what it's like in the day in the life, a day in the life of Emily <laughs> Yeah. Today, today is a great example
1: because it's been crazy. So I usually wake up, right. uh, very, very <laughs> love that. <laughs> start around
0: five and start with kind of my NFL side of things. Five, 5 a.m. Yes. Pacific time? Yeah. Okay. So I think I'm glad you said that because and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but something else I always like to highlight for our listeners is there, you see the glamour, but it's a hardworking business and it's that's your days are long and yes. it's not just, yes, it's not just photos on a red carpet. Please no. continue. And it, <laughs> it includes a lot of under eye concealer. I can tell you
1: that, but yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I usually that's kind of my Zen email time. And so like right now, okay. obviously the draft is coming up right now. It's a lot of just sending out film to scouts and kind of, you know, trying to improve my guys stock as much as I can and get the word out on them and get interviews for them. So that's really what I've been doing first thing in the morning. And then the other thing I try to do is just really catch up on any brand opportunities for my guys and my other clients Um and then you know I try and work out in the morning. I don't always get to it, but that is really kind of my me time, and I think it's just a great way to start the day. If I can squeeze in a Peloton ride or whatever's an inclined treadmill, I'm a big cardio person because I like to just kind of tune out. But um, you know, then I am also a full time attorney, so I go to my law office at usually 8:30 or nine, and basically kind of juggle being an attorney, doing complex civil litigation and then also making sure that I'm available and working on behalf of all of my other clients as well. And so that usually goes until the evening and then I get home and kind of do the whole email cycle again. And usually if I am very effective that day, I can usually wrap up around seven, seven thirty, but Sometimes, you know, sometimes the client's having a bad day and you just need an hour-long phone call to vent and that's totally fine. Um, But usually, you know, I try and be done by 8 just so I can have enough time to really unplug and recharge because I've just learned from... So many years of burnout, how important mm-hmm. it is to try, you know, really to block out that time for yourself because it's, otherwise it's just not sustainable. You know, if I really want to make sure that I can commit to this type of schedule, I also have mm-hmm. to commit to that off time.
0: And I, it's so important to kind of set those boundaries. So, would you say that for you, kind of a non negotiable, I know you can't do it every day, but is to get that workout me time in and then to say at a certain point, unless like it's a really extenuating circumstance, I need to try to be done by eight o'clock.
1: Yeah. Yep. I think those two are, are for sure important. And sometimes too, I'll just try and work in like a 15 minute coffee break. Sometimes it ends up mm. being a TikTok break if <laughs> I have a client Totally, totally get that. posted on it and then I get kind of carried away, distracted as one does on that app. But you know, I'll try and integrate little things like that in the day, especially if I know that it's going to be a late night, then I'll try and kind mm-hmm. of get that time for myself throughout the day, just because, you know, I am actually so introverted and I picked a job that I have to be talking to people all the time. That's and interesting. so it's mm-hmm. fine and, and it's totally manageable as long as I'm cognizant of that and making sure that I'm accounting for that time just for myself to recharge as well.
0: Well, if you're taking a TikTok break today, please feel free to go to mine and see my reaction to Cody Bellinger hitting a home run last night. (laughs) I went full like thirteen year old girl. Yes, so excited because I'm a big Cody Bellinger fan. So, yeah, it's uh baseball. Really, it's so funny. I love football. I love baseball, but there is just there is something romantic about baseball. Mm -hmm. And I know that that sounds so cheesy and cliche, but there's just something about it. it. Uh, I have. Another really important question before we get to five fun facts. What under eye concealer do you use? Because I think that's important. It's so important. You
1: know, I've really struggled to find (laughs) a good one. so on, you know, more casual days, I really like the Laurent one. And then um, on more (laughs) sleep deprived days, there's a really great hourglass concealer that I love. It's like amazing, but it's so, so like... Heavy paint, but it it looks amazing. So I will say, anyone who struggles with you know not getting a full eight hours, the hourglass concealer is my friend.
0: <laughs> okay, fantastic. I think that that's that is advice and a tip fun. that yes. everybody yes. could certainly use. Um, Emily, this has been awesome. I've I just love how open and candid you are, and how willing you are to share, you know, so much of, you know, what you're doing with us. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. But I can't let you go yet because it's five (laughs) fun facts time. And, um, I say this every week, I'm sure listeners are like, we know, but our guests don't always know that this is something I started with the 49ers players. uh, and I do it like on my iPhone and video and it's like, they get to just share like five things about themselves. Um, That nobody really knows yeah it's fun it's it's, i mean no pun intended it is really really fun uh but on this podcast we ask everybody the same five questions every week which also has its own kind of fun element so if you're ready we will get going let's do it five fun facts with emily staker (laughs) emily what is your favorite moment in sports um, So,
1: I grew up a Seahawks fan, which is very fun. I mean, I think the Legion of Boom was probably what made me truly fall in love with the game. But I think mm-hmm. Beastquake, that game, it was so long ago, which is so crazy to think about. It's like a decade ago. But Beastquake, wow. was against the Saints, just an insane moment to really register as a mini Earthquake is just so kind of mind blowing to me. So, that's definitely one of my favorites.
0: And he's so incredible. So
1: (laughs) we love that. What is your life motto? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like something I say to myself. Some people might consider it a prayer, but just whenever I'm feeling lost or struggling the day, my biggest thing is just to say, you know, how may I serve? How may I serve others? And that has really helped me a lot.
0: What is your go-to workout?
1: So I, I was one one of the billions of people who got a Peloton in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that is that's my go-to. Alex Toussaint, his Club Bangers rides are my favorite. Um Cody's great too, but you know Alex just I think has the best music. That's totally fair. Your go-to coffee order? Um I'm so boring and I've been drinking coffee so long that I just do black because otherwise I think I would, you know, go broke. I just
0: drink so much. That's of fair. It. That's totally fair. And a book every woman should read.
1: Yeah. Um, it's called Women Who Run With the Wolves. It's just, um, I can't I, I can't describe it and I, I don't want to ruin it by framing it, but I think it's really important for any woman to read. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank <laughs> you
0: so much, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And we are brought to you today by Bet Online. Bye all. I'll talk to you next week.